indeed. Get into Gate. This is episode 170. Yes, we are talking Stargate SG-1. And yes, the music. We are talking Endgame. My name is Mitch. Joining me, uh, Matty Gibson. I've never talked to you with an erection before. This is interesting. <laughs> no, don't lie. That's uh, yes, <laughs> And the voice there, just like in Avengers Endgame, out he comes of the portal with right. his Zoom. It's Black Panther, Brendan Gibson. <laughs> He's back. He's Yee-hoo! back. What's up? Back and from just, Wakanda. Just like, just like when Black Panther showed up, I shed a tear. I really did. And now we've all got erections. So, Maddie, <laughs> you're not alone. This is a weird way to start a podcast. Uh, welcome back, Brennan. Uh, we missed you. Thanks, but, mate. You know. All right, let's talk a little bit of Endgame. If you are joining us for the first time each and every week here on Get Into Gate, we break down an episode of Stargate. This week, we're back in the Milky Way. We are talking SG-1 and the episode Endgame, number 10 of season 8. Let's go over to the old uh, synopsis, see what it's about, and then uh, just throw it around to the uh, team and see what we thought. When the Stargate disappears in a flash of light, Carter and Jackson's investigation leads them to an industrial warehouse storing VX rockets and vials filled with what appears to be nerve gas. Meanwhile, Tilk discovers the mass deaths of Jafar spread across four planets. Could this horrifying event be connected to the gas? What a weird synopsis and a weird way to end. But uh, there's that directed by Deloise and for reasons which we'll get into a little bit later because it makes it a little bit more fun, written by uh, Joe and Paul, old mates. We spoke about them last week in Stargate Atlantis, but they're back uh, back this week. As soon as Carter was just... in jeans and a black shirt, I'm like, this is Joe and Paul. <laughs> I'll see, as soon as I saw the fact that the Stargate was stolen so we couldn't actually go through the Stargate <laughs> yeah. at all, I'm like... That's a we need ball. to be on Earth so bad. Let's remove the Stargate entirely. Yeah, like, let's let's make it, it impossible. Beam it out. We don't need it. What's, we don't need a Stargate on a show called Stargate. Come on now. Before all, the, before all that, though, what I really loved, the, the opening scene pre-credits, it's kind of the scene we've always talked about wanting we want to know what happens like we've always joked if we worked in sg1 or in the sgc you know we do the night shift and we'd be those guys that get a little drunk and just dial up and go hang out in another planet you know go and sleep with some aliens and, and come back before anyone's any the wiser and we actually get to see that and walter's there and you know they don't get to have as much fun with it but at least they're talking about it so i actually like that we've got to see something that we've like i don't know have we ever seen yeah. that sort of shit before and old mate there he's he's definitely sent something like he's sent mounts mm. to weird planets or done he's definitely <laughs> opened the gate and yeah. to somewhere he wasn't supposed to he's definitely jacked off into a, the event horizon <laughs> for just, sure just just dialing up that prisoner's planet being like who wants lunch <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the consistency's changed <laughs> extra protein though <laughs> yeah i um i didn't read too much about I, I did actually glance at the synopsis and when it said oh it disappears i'm like ah shit okay i've kind of kind of ruined that for myself but i, I have no other memory of this episode because again it's been so long since i've watched it so um that was a nice surprise for it to happen then because i when I, you see the the light of the beam I thought that was someone coming in, like we'd turn around and we would see a Gould or a bunch of Jafar or something um, in the gate room. Not that the gate was going to have disappeared. So this is a big thing. It's a big deal. It's never happened before. And like Jackson and, and O'Neill talk about, who's going to tell the president about this? I'm not sure why, though, Daniel was the one chosen to perform like the interrogation on the only two people that were aware <laughs> of it. I'm like, how is that in his job description? Like he's not even a part of the military 
per se, um, but he's he's interrogating actual airmen anyway. Yeah, whatever. I feel like technically Walter outranks him because Walter actually has a rank. Daniel's mm. is a civilian, so it's yeah. like it was a weird choice. It was fun though. Going back to your question though, Mitch, about have we seen that before? I think the only other time I think is uh, what was it when Janet Fraser died and. Walter's saying, oh, yeah, no, this is what we do as gate technicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With that journalist <laughs> Oh, yeah, he's like, oh, oh, and this one here is where we play space invaders. No, obviously, <laughs> obviously not. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that on, on duty. Bit of Gary Jones dropping so some good. bombs. I just did love his, his obviousness of just because it's 3 a.m. here doesn't mean it's not daytime on other planets. I'm like, it's daytime on your planet too, mate. Yeah, I don't remember that particular scene, but that's obviously subconsciously inspired me with the Walter Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> but, Matty, he was just getting a little bit Americana there because he's like, just because it's nighttime on our planet, I'm like, like you said, it's daytime somewhere else. Like, no, no, no. It's nighttime in America. It's nighttime on Earth. <laughs> but that is actually, I didn't think about that. That is actually the, the way that it tends to work out on almost all occasions. I, I never taken note of it before, but just in hindsight, now that we get that line, is that if they leave, presumably during the day, because they're up doing normal nine to five working hours, it seems to be daytime on another planet. Or they go in there, it might be night. But it's only because they're inside. They go outside and it's daytime. So we always seem to share. Everyone works in the same clocks, you know. Yeah. Um, it's like they've strategically placed the gates on different planets to revolve around the same time. Even though we've moved it from well, Egypt, it still manages to work out. And do you reckon, like, when they... Because obviously they normally would scout a planet first with a MALP before they would send, like, SG-1. So do you reckon it's like they send a MALP two or three days ahead of time, figure out what the time difference mm. is... And then go, oh, look, it's not really daylight there till about three o'clock our time. So SG-1, you guys have a late start. Just sleep mm. in. Come in around midday and th- and then we'll send you off for an afternoon sort of yeah, excursion. I think that would be among the riders that, that O'Neill would have in his contract. Like, that's why you do send off SG-7 to meet the, 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 the natives. Like, you go in and meet them at, like, midnight. When it swings by, like, about 8, 8.30 after breakfast, that's when I get to go through the gate and pick up yeah. pick up your scraps. For that sure. is an interesting point, though. Like, how, like, in the real world, how long would they put a melt there for? Because you would imagine they would... Tr- like for it to be 48 hours because otherwise you're going to have end up with the same issue that carter had um when she went to that planet and there turned out to be two sons and there was a gate mm. malfunction she couldn't get back oh, so for yeah. safety reasons like obviously they wouldn't know they wouldn't know if it's a binary system or not mm. just mm. by map telemetry yeah so it makes you it does yeah it's kind of an interesting point or you know they end up on like the pitch black planet it's like oh this planet looks amazing during the day nighttime comes carnivorous vampire type creatures come out it's like would have been good to know that if we would have just you know left the mouth on record or some shit obviously now just wait for stargate universe mate you might get your wish (laughs) noted in the (laughs) (laughs) it was a weird one that means you do yeah okay Okay, so cross out maybe vampire creatures (laughs) So I actually really like the um, the the prologue, the little previously on business because it, it touched on a lot of different episodes that we've seen before. Ooh, so it was like we're so going to bring many. together a lot of st- story threads in here and, and try and 
not so much wraps a lot of stuff up, but bring them all together and, and, and take the story another step forward. You know, we've had a couple of one-off type episodes that have dabbled in the overall story, but this one sort of really season eight SG-1, we have got the trust. You have got the Jafar Alliance really kicking along. You have got Baal, who's in control of a lot of um, t- uh, Gould sort of territories and all that. But for me, it really stood out as far as the trust in the NID go, because while, you know, we've seen them a lot, this is by far the furthest they've ever taken things but it's also the one and i know that they're doing the wrong thing let's be clear but it's the one where i've probably seen their side of the argument more than ever before whether it was the nid and now the trust who we've only seen a couple of times in fairness but for me they've always just been like oh you've got the toys and we want to play with them because we don't trust you it's never been about they've used the end game as a as a, as a point in the argument, but it's never been the definitive argument. Whereas this one was like, we're not even trying to like take over the SGC anymore. We're not even trying to steal little bits and pieces of technology. We're going to steal it all. We're just going to do it as a three person, four person, however man job up in space if we have to, and just kill millions of these motherfuckers. And then we'll be done with it. And you can have the gate and you can go on your little explorations and eat your pizza pies and whatever. And, uh, and root all your alien women, but we're just going to go out there, kill the, kill the danger. And I'm like, look, you're taking things too far. You are killing millions of Jafar. You're pissing Teal'c off a lot. But <laughs> I can, you know, it's it's gone beyond politics by this point. You've got what you needed and you just, you're going for it. So I don't like what they were doing, but I kind of saw their reasoning more than I ever have before. Yeah, I kind of felt like this episode was pretty boring until they actually started a genocide. I was like, oh, okay. It's actually starting to get a bit real now. Genocide, yeah. now I can get on board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I mean, I had my checklist out for, you know, Earthbound Eps. You got, like I said before, Carter in black shirt, jeans. Yeah, breaking into a warehouse. Breaking into a warehouse. I was like, come on, pi- come on, lock picking. We can do it. <laughs> Didn't have the trifecta. But we're close. We got the trust or rogue NID agent. So. Yeah. yeah. It was a nice little follow up to Affinity because that was, I think, when I spoiled it. Um, you know <laughs> about you know um osiris's alkesh and the the thing they made daniel solve like translate back in affinity is what they used to get on board and yeah you see them you saw the beam out but you didn't see where yeah i just i still think it's too far from chimera and the fact that they even reference in this episode that they figured out they realized oh osiris must have had a cloaked ship in orbit and that's how she was getting into daniel's dreams it's been like a year and they still hadn't found it. Like, well, the old mate had a couple of months ago or whatever. I just feel like it. this all needed to happen in one season, I think. I feel like it all needed to be... Like, as if you think about last season, season seven, if that was going to be the final season, like when we finished Lost City, we wouldn't have got Affinity or Endgame. So it's like, you know, Osiris's Alkesh was was up in orbit like when, when Anubis attacked Antarctica. And that, that's mm. a weird thing to think. It's like, oh, oh. Yeah, that's true. So in orbit um, of the moon? Or you don't... Yeah, I don't know what it, well, yeah, know they it said was it, in this mission, but... Yeah, they said it was in a polar orbit on the moon. So it's like, is that where Osiris parked it? Or is that where um, the Trust parked it once they got access to it? Because like, they couldn't access the hyperdrive, but were they able to access just like the normal like maneuvering thrusters and put it and hide it over in... Um, at the moon, they, it, it's not really said. It could be either or, I guess. Yeah, I, don't, I find it weird that they would have just given that hand device to Area Fifty One instead of Carter tinkering with it. Because I feel if mm-hmm. that 
Area 51 dude could figure it out. I'm pretty sure Carter could have. Yeah. Yeah. It almost smacks to me of the writers forgot. Like, when they wrote Chimera, they didn't think about where Osiris was beaming in from. They just, Osiris beams in. Mm. Um, and I reckon it's almost something that the fans probably brought up at, like, a convention or a, a chat room or something like that. And then later on in season eight, then the writers were gone. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. Um, let's write some episodes. I did have a few issues with continuity. I think once the gate got beamed out and it was on the Elkesh, Tilt couldn't gate home, apparently, even though the, the gate was in orbit of Earth. I saw the same thing. You've got to... like I had to turn the subtitles on and really listen. So what happened is he got a return signal. He got mm. a no-go signal on his GDO. Really? Because yeah. I just heard Carter say, "Oh, when Tilt won't be able to make a connection." I thought she said, "When Tilt won't be able to make a connection." Yeah, she said that, but he was that because obviously Carter didn't know where the gate was. So when he gets to the Alpha site and he's talking to Colonel Pierce, Colonel Pierce says, "Yeah, they dialed Earth as well, made a connection, and got a hold signal, but there was no radio, and they thought it was weird." Like, so everyone's been able to dial to Earth, but the trust has been putting like a no-go GDO signal on it. Right. And that was enough. But I'm like, this whole thing could have been solved if the Alpha site had a map and, and they, they just said <laughs> Yeah, <through>. true. <laughs> and they would have seen that they were on board an Elkesh, you know? Well, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm wondering. Were they alluding to the fact that it was because the cloak was up or... Yeah, obviously the gate was in orbit the whole time, so they could have dialed in. Yeah, and yeah, and so you have to really pay attention to that scene. I had to listen to it like three times with the subtitles on to kind of figure it out. Because yeah, Carter's saying one thing and then Colonel Pierce says what actually happened. So it's yeah, it's a bit too bit too convoluted, I think. Yeah, there's a few convoluted things in this. Yeah. Like for for me, the worst bit of writing was the fact that Carter beat the shit out of that guy with her hands tied behind her back, which is boss. <laughs> I don't think I have a problem with that writing. But basically, like SG, like, Tilt comes in, shoots that dude. SG-1, secure the Alkesh, and all they have to do is just shoot that one unaware Asian girl. Why should instead of shooting with the with the Zat, they just decided to put the beacon on the gate and get the mm. hell out of Dodge. Yeah. It's like, I understand they're trying to throw up the idea that ha- um, O'Neill's having a struggle with deciding to shoot the ship or save SG-1. But the thing is, like, they beamed out, but they still didn't shoot the Alkesh. So it's just like the trust lived to see another day. Yeah, and all, to me, I didn't realise how long Jack actually froze. Like, he legit froze. I think there was a dramatic hold for a second. For... Mm. Yeah, and it almost feels like they, they cut away and then cut back and, like, reused the same part of that hold. <laughs> yeah. It just felt way too long. Yeah, that was dumb. Yeah, it But I just feel like they could have... Like, did they know Prometheus was there? Maybe Daniel knew, but Carter wouldn't have. The Prometheus. Yeah, good point. Prometheus, like here, he should have known that Prometheus was at least looking. Obviously, we didn't hear Daniel tell that to Carter, but Carter thought, "Oh, let's put the beacon on just in case someone might." Like, what? What was SG One thinking? Were they just afraid of hyperspace travel? Basically, Carter says, "Oh, we're going into hyperspace quick. Let's put the beacon on the gate and bounce." Was it something to? Because I was going to say, Daniel could have like. Any systems that were locked out of, Daniel could have translated because that's how they got access to partial systems anyway. But it was when Daniel, like, shot the the crystal tray. Did that do something to the ship? The whole idea of Daniel going up there was so he could translate 
the passcodes, but obviously they've he gave them the key and they've changed it to their own password. So he's just gone screw it, shoots it with the zat, which kills the cloak, basically renders them yeah useless. And then but did it did he gets it damage captured. more than the cloak though? Like is that why Sam was so yeah? I think it was like they were down at twenty five percent power or something. Yeah, and she was like she was worried that they wouldn't even survive like a um a hyperspace jump or something. Right. But yeah, it was very um it was very odd. Yeah, I just feel like they could have just stayed on the Alkesh, shot her shot that girl in the face with the Zat and then have a sweet ride and the gate. Yeah. Well I guess that's the other thing too, like it took him how long to get rid of the Alkesh from the other guys. Mm. Um, you know, when they ended up chopping it up for parts and giving it to Prometheus and it's like I guess they realised like, oh, there's another Alkesh that we probably shouldn't have, so let's figure out a way for us to get rid of it. Mm. And this is what they came up with. And I was like, meh. It'd just be cool for SG1 to have an Alkesh whenever they want. Right? It'd be yeah. awesome. Specifically theirs. Like, especially after the way this would have been airing. We've already got the SGA team. Well, they've got they've got their puddle jumper. So, well, we're going to need a cool ship for SG1. Like, there's only, like, Teal can deck out a little space, you know. Daniel can nerd it up somewhere. Like, it could just be theirs that would have actually been fun like i want to give them too much you know superpowers but at the same yeah. time they're still stuck down doing exactly what they yeah do i mean and... the, the it wouldn't have been too bad because it's not like a puddle jumper where you can go through the gate with it it's still yeah. a long range bomber so they'd have to what does that yeah it has hyperspace they never used to right mm. in season four and stuff uh yeah they have hyperspace I know they do now. Yeah, they're kind of they're kind of like the mid-range the... bomber i thought yeah so they're the best of both worlds in that They've got hyperspace and shields, whereas gliders don't have hyperspace or shield, but can you know go through the atmosphere and stuff. So it's kind of like a hybrid between the two almost. It's got the best of both worlds. Well, of all three, including the fact that it's got a cloak like a, like a cargo ship. Oh, yeah, so of... that would have just... Obviously, better travel to go through the gate because it's faster, but if, if they're ever in need of it, yeah. they can it just jump on it. It would have been cooler, I think, if they'd planned ahead a little bit and it's like kept it, stored it at the alpha site, like in orbit at the alpha site, and then maybe it came into play in the season finale, like they needed it for something there, or, yeah. you know, and it got destroyed from saving the Earth or something like that, I think would have been really, really cool. Yeah, something instead of the trust, get it, because I hate the trust. Yeah. Every time they're involved, I'm just like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> and to at least 20 minutes the... of just misleading nonsense. Yeah, plus, old mate, that's Frotak's back. That's Frotak, the, the guy. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, the guy that was cuckolding Teal'c back in, back in Season 2. And then it's also just like, and this is, and you know how much I hate to use this term, but this was the mid-season finale. <laughs> like, so, like, if you're watching this in real time, when it, when it aired, this is the big episode until there's, a, like, a gap over the Christmas break or whatever it is. And it's like... I guess oh. they probably would have showed... Next week, oh, next, you know, time on Stargate SG One, where it actually Gemini is actually a decent episode. That's it, and we. It's funny we get into a really good run of episodes now for SG One, whereas I feel like Atlantis at the same time tapers off a little bit. Like the next, aside from the two parter, like the the mid season finale. For, sorry, mid season finale for um <laughs> for Atlantis. After that, it kind of tapers off for a few episodes, whereas. Mm. SG-1 really builds up, I think. Yeah, you can tell at this point SG-1 has less budget than Atlantis. They're trying to really pump it into Atlantis at the moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
I love the idea of the the t- what two members of the trust, right? You had the you had the chick that was driving the ship, and then you had the bloke that um, Carter like Chuck Norris in the face with her hands tied behind her back, like you said. Oh, the guy Brennan. that went to the bathroom. Yeah, I love that. Like, what was necessary for him? To have to walk back in and see Daniel and go, how did he get here? Because, <laughs> like, when the when when Frotac left and um and said, you know, you stay with her, and it's like, okay, yeah, watch the prisoner. Like she's tied up, but she's not tied to the ground or anything. And then Daniel sits next to her and is like, hey, yeah, we're both here tied up, whatever. And Frotac's watching them, and then old mate, yeah, comes back from the bathroom, doesn't leave his paper towel in the bathroom like some disgusting, you know. <laughs> Uh, and, and brings it with him, and then he's like, oh, how did he get here? And then they have the conversation that I feel they could have had had Frotac just walked Daniel in and put him down in the first place. But anyway, yeah. that was no, just that's, something that's weird. That's Peter Deloise. That's Peter, Peter Deloise going, look, your motivation for this scene, you've just taken a massive shit in your alien <laughs> toilet for the first time. Well, that's Toilet true. paper... I... Jafar don't use toilet paper, so you've had to use a rattler. You've had to use your bare hands to scoop it all out. Couldn't figure you've out how to use that hands. weird bidet thing. Yeah, you, you didn't know how to work the three seashells. So you come back wiping your hands off, about to yeah. tell everyone about, like, well, do not go in there. Or maybe he just, you know, took a shit in the rings, like we've said, and he's, he's ringed it out. Or he's embarrassed because um, he went off for a little toilet wank, and he's coming back, <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, shit, people are in the room, like, yeah. this is my pro. this is when you want to come back and just have five minutes to myself, you know? That's when, the, and you're like, oh, they know, they know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mate, they definitely know. Look at you. You're sicko. Found it confusing how all the Jafar die straight away. Yeah, I was wondering about the biology behind that because obviously when, uh, what was it, Zarin? Zarin. Zarin. When she copped it, I'm like, that makes sense because that kind of is you. You know, you're attached to the brain or whatever, whereas the Jafar are just sort of like incubating. So it would make sense. But at the same time, it did happen really quickly. Like, I like the idea that even though Teal'c wasn't, so sure about the specifics of the drug or the gas that as soon as she died he's like all right brothers let's go it was like he figured well hang on that is a a ghoul that's a tokra we've probably got another 20 minutes before it really gets into the thing that's keeping us alive and then when old mate did which i was sitting there questioning hang on does um it was r.i.p mazelle yeah and i liked him and i'm like at least he'll be fine because he's on Tritonin and then it's like, That's oh, what shit. I thought. No, he wasn't, obviously. So I just... Wouldn't I, Tilk I, just go, hey, whip it yeah. out, mate? Yeah, just stick his <laughs> hand straight. Like, that would have been And then actually, get rid of your symbiote. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a pretty uh, a pretty sweet scene. Like, just bang straight in the pouch, rip out the worm, and then jab him with a needle. And, like, I don't know, I, that would have been like a field dressing type thing. It's yeah. like, you're bleeding yeah. out, let's patch you up with whatever we've got. I'm surprised they don't get Tritonin, like, as soon as they join the fifth column. It's like, as yeah. soon as you join the rebellion... Yeah. Gets, I, I guess the only thing they could hide behind is, like, back in Birthright, when they sort of trial it on the... Um, uh, what are Ishtar's people called? The bitches. <laughs> um, I think Hacktil. I think he's right. Hacktill, Hacktill. <laughs> when um when they trial it on Hacktill, and it's like they say it's got like a a twenty five percent mortality rate, like one in four people die, like one in four Jafar die by flipping over to Tritonin. Yeah, right. So I could I could see him hiding behind that, going, okay, with your if you're a healthy Jafar, don't do it. But you're totally right. It's like once that. Mazel's um, symbiote started dying. Yeah, whip it out, jam some chitonin in his neck, and see what happens. That's what I thought he was going to do, especially when he kind of bent over in pain. I was like, yeah. oh, he's going to, Tilk's going to rip it out and give him some chitonin. 
The only thing I can think of is if, like, and I think if we, you know, if you said it to one of the writers, they'd probably hide behind the, oh, the symbiote, you know, when it's affected by the toxin, releases all its toxins and poisons the body. That whole thing that they hide behind. They never, they never say um, that. But yeah, they never say it though, like outright. So it was a little bit too vague for me. And yeah, I, I don't rewatch this one a lot. So I totally, I could have sworn we saw Mazel in like season nine or ten, but obviously we don't. Mm. Which is a bit disappointing because I think I always thought he was pretty cool, and he was um come back as Thor, was, does he? Yeah, he was. Well, <laughs> he was the Odin hologram. That's yeah. the Thor hologram. But old Zarin, that was who I was talking about back in season six with um, Aiden Corso, um, the 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 prisoner guy. Remember Martin Cummins, and and he was he was married to to a Brandy Ledford. Do you remember that conversation we had? I I feel like I recognise the name. Corso, but that's about it. Yeah, Kuman. the episode prisoners. No, no, no. The 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 what was it called? The 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 crashed ship on in season six with oh with, the Seabrus, um, the Seabrus, yeah. And um, the guy that played Aiden Corso, we told I told the story about how he was married married to an actress. This is who he was married to. He was married to Zarin. Jesus, mm. they're gonna uh, have some hot kids. Well, they're not they're not <laughs> together anymore. Oh. Um, and then I was reading in the um. Uh, in the companion, and she actually, because she she replaces Michael Shanks's wife Lexa Doig. When Lexa Doig goes on maternity leave on her show Andromeda, Brandy Ledford replaced her, um, and she found out while she was filming this episode, she got the call from Andromeda saying, "Hey, you've got the role. You're going to replace Lexa Doig while she's on maternity leave." As the voice so, of Andromeda. Well, no, she she plays like a different robot, basically. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, at this point when this episode was filmed, Rosemary Lamb Shanks was in Lexa Doig's womb. Right. Yes. <laughs> There's a long way to get there, but we got there. <laughs> well, I guess, oh, like, I was just thinking about the fact of, of, I was thinking about Michael Shanks there for a second and Daniel, like having to go on that rescue mission. And when he and O'Neill you know, talking about it before he leaves and he's like, oh, what, you don't think I'm the one to do it or am I stupid enough to go do it? I wonder where I got that from. And I'm like, God, this would be a really cool moment for O'Neill to go, now it's time for me to go back through the gate again. I'm only going to the moon or I'm only going wherever. But I'm like, obviously it was going to take just the extra couple of days that they didn't have to uh, to get him to film that. But I'm sitting there going, the O'Neill that I know, I know this guy's been in charge for however many months, but I still feel like he's not Brigadier General enough to be able to turn away the idea that he could jump through and go help or something yeah. like he he was like oh yeah you shouldn't do that because it seems crazy but i guess you're gonna do it regardless anyway so whatever go on through it i'm like no nah, well, i want to see o'neill jump through i'm the general so you're yeah. going not me this would have been sense. sick for him to, to bust through because you imagine the nid then like if they care about rank but just the idea that like o'neill comes through it's like oh shit like He's here, sort of thing. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's just a fanboy in me because we love RDA. But you know, it just would have been sick for that to be the moment that he goes through. Tilk's big like replicator shotgun that he normally yes. has when the replicators are around. Yeah, absolutely. All right, tell me again why I should agree to this. Because it's the only way we have to get on the ship, and if they've changed the command codes, I'm the one who has the best chance to decipher the ancient symbols. And if there are ten armed goons when you get there, you're the one that's gonna get... Dead. Better ideas. Look, Daniel, just because I don't have a better idea is no reason to do anything. 
<laughs> Look, once I shut down the cloak, Prometheus will be able to pinpoint the ship's location. Then all I have to do is disable the hyperdrive and wait for the cavalry. They'll never see it coming. Which is one of the advantages of a totally insane idea. Yeah, where did I learn that from? So, Daniel wants to use his ancient, ancient-y stuff to yeah. get on board and drop the cloak and wait for the cavalry. But Boom. I mean, just a one man wrecking crew. I mean, he couldn't, Daniel, he so. couldn't do it anyway. So he just shot the crystals <laughs> like, oh. so, and then he like gets he shot immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Useless. Like that was a really, like he's looking around, creeping around, just bang straight in the back. And I'm like, Oh, didn't you dude. just look where they were? <laughs> but like the crystals, I know he tried and he's like, ah, oh, stuff it. And he just walks over and opens up and shoots. I'm like, dude, that's not just controlling the cloak. Like you could turn off the ventilation system. Yeah. It could immediately turn off the temperature. You could freeze to death in the vacuum of space. I don't know what's going on. Or it, it starts the, the cannon on the underside of the Alkes just firing randomly at yeah. Earth. <laughs> just like taking out locations across the globe. What I did like just just watching that clip again, just to see what he was wearing, reminded me of the um, the start of the episode where they do break into the the trust warehouse, and you've got all those cops there, and they've got bulletproof armor, long sleeve, a lot of sort of tactical gear. They got helmets, they got the goggles on top of the helmets. Not that they're wearing them over their eyes. They have got the mouthpieces, and they've got like guns, like like automatic or at least semi-automatic weapons. And Carter and Jackson are wearing black t-shirts carrying zats. And I'm like, <laughs> I know that you're invincible because you're the stars of the show, but like they've got automatic rounds that are going to fire out. Got how many tens of bullets, you know, every couple of seconds. You've got energy-based weapons, which, are, you know, they seem to only be able to fire, you know, once every sort of second or something, once every second and a half maybe. And that's not very accurate as either. So I'm like, what what makes you so special? You can show up to that operation going, no, we don't, we don't need protection, mate. We're yeah, fine. They're wearing the invisible plot armor. We're SG-1 guys. <laughs> <laughs> or underneath their outfits, they're wearing those um, Cull Warrior Lycra onesies. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be nice yeah. if we picked all them up. Yeah. Have one of the onesies and have them hanging up in our own Alkesh, and yeah. then we're going to be sweet. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't help a headshot, but, you know, it is what mm. it is. Because, you know, old mate Frotac had some serious weaponry. Like, he's using it as a lockpick, just like, I'll just shoot around the lock and kick the door open. I'm like, that's pretty badass. Yeah. <laughs> Something I noticed um, on one of the trivia sites that I look up, you know, all the, you know, like the wikis and stuff like that. There's some hardcore train nerd who was really into this episode because there's there's two instances where there's like <laughs> a hardcore push in, like you know how Stargate always does the push in and the big dramatic, you know, music swell. Yeah. One of the trivia things I read was someone's like. Oh, at 28 minutes and 32 minutes and 32 seconds, you can hear the air horn from a blah, 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 blah train in the background. Oh, my God. They've, they've mistaken, like, a French horn or a trombone or whatever Is it that was. Lincoln's... <laughs> <laughs> the truck. <laughs> Why is one of them on the Alpha site? It doesn't make sense. Well, that's what the trivia piece said. Because one of those push-ins was, like, on Teal at... You know, when he's with Zarin on the alien planet and he's like, you can hear a train horn in the background just by oh being on an alien planet. And I'm like, oh, God, train spotters, really? <laughs> Don't ruin our Jafar stuff. Jafar have ho- heaps of horns, mate. Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, so they, they communicate. communicate. 
That's so it dumb, probably, isn't it? It was probably a booty call horn, like for yeah. a week. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Jafar apocalypse. Let's get it on. Just a Jafar orgy. That's what that was. That's what that campsite was. Until he got back, he was like, oh, I better get back to uh, PC41X3. It's like, why? SG1 and, and Earth are out of communication. It's like, yeah, but there was like this sweet Jafar orgy we were going to have back at the campsite, so yeah. I've got to get back there. Everyone's Pronto. ready for round two by now, so they've, yeah. had their, they've had their Gatorade and they're ready for round two. So, <laughs> I'd say overall, it's, it's ups and downs for me this episode, but I don't, I, I don't rewatch it and it's not the best. Mm. And I think if they had, it would have come to a resolution for me if they had have ended the trust in this episode. But because yeah, they yeah. keep it going, it's like it just seemed pointless. It's too much to, to just string on from Chimera to Affinity to this to then what they do next with it. It's just like yeah. it's too much for not a really interesting like resolution. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't go anywhere. Not not like the at least an idea had like Mayborn, you know, mm. and and Kinsey. Whereas the trust is just a little bit. Man, it's like it's like NID light. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're just there to sprout, like, you know, bad guy lines. Like that bloke who got kicked in the face, again, whatever his name was. And, you know, when um, Carter shows up and he shoots her with the Zat. And then the chick, you know, radios down and he's like, get on down here. And she's like, what is it? And he's like, we have an uninvited guest. I'm like, dude, you, it, she's your workmate. Like, just go, you wouldn't believe it. Samantha Carter's just shown up. Like, yeah. one of the SGC members, SG1 is here or something. It's like, look deep into camera we have an uninvited guest and i'm like oh god we know you're a bad guy mate you don't need to just speak bad guy that annoyed me that carter didn't kind of she knew she was going to get beamed up she didn't get her weapon out ready or or squat down on the ground lowest to be a smaller target she just kind of turned around who's here boom dead (laughs) it's like who got shot worse carter or jackson you both failed yeah that was bad. Kind of reminded me of when Brendan was having to go at Weir a couple of weeks ago with, um, it might have been the, the pilot, when it's like, Dr. Weir, you've got to see this. And she's like, there's a lot of things I've got. i got to see a lot of things. Stop annoying me. It's kind of like this. Get like, off we have this a, line. This is executives only. Yeah, we have we have an uninvited guest. She, <laughs> I'm like, she's like, what's so our invited guests didn't arrive? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. On our Shut super up. Black Ops cloaked Alkesh. Totally. <laughs> Piece of shit. <laughs> All right, that's episode 170 of Get Into Gate. We will be back uh, next week. Maddie, I throw to you uh, a question without well, notice. It would be the um, Atlantis mid season finale, but it's a two parter the storm and the eye. So let's do them together the storm and the eye. Bang. Oh shit, two parter for Atlantis. Oh, not the first time, actually. We had the pilot, didn't we? Okay, yeah. so we we can get over your uh, vomit moment for a mid season finale and immediately back it up. So, yeah. okay, let's do that. And then I'm just looking at the um, my DVD, right? So, I just, when I was Googling before the episode uh, that we've just watched, Endgame, it did yeah. say the next episode was Gemini. Yet on the DVD, the next episode is Prometheus Unbound. So, back in Super two weeks. weird. Okay, so ne- we are watching Gemini as far as our next yes. SG1 episode. Okay. Yes, technically, I believe. Uh, Gemini and Prometheus Bound, Unbound actually take place at the same time. Um, Tilk and Tilk and Carter are off doing Gemini while Daniel's doing Prometheus Unbound. So actually, like right. in in world, they take place at the same time. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it's, so it's another one of those ones this year where they've sort of flipped stuff around for the DVD box set, which I don't. Oh yeah, I don't know why. All right. Well, Gemini in two weeks, and next week a two-part 
Atlantis mid-season special. Uh, so we'll be back next uh, week to talk about that. In the meantime, check out all of our old podcasts if you are joining us uh, for the first time or you're relatively new to Get Into Gate on your favourite podcasting outlet. Just search Get Into Gate, a Stargate podcast. Hit us up on the socials, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Get Into Gate or uh, drop us a uh, drop us a line for a hairy mailbag. Eventually we'll have to um, empty that. It's, it feels like it's been a while. Oh, speak for yourself, mate. <laughs> well, you had an erection at the start of the episode, so it's... No, no, uh... you had an erection. You... That... <laughs> okay, I never thought I I'd be in an... I've I never, never spoken that... to you. <laughs> I never thought I'd be in an argument with another guy going, no, you've got an erection. Well, it was the end game music, so my point was, was I've never spoken to you when you've had an erection before. Oh, right, 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 that right, right, was... right. Oh, we've definitely spoken when I've had an erection before. Oh, I was going to say, please. Was... <laughs> Otherwise, there was a lot of confusion going in my mind. I would have spoken to you differently. I would have spoken to you differently. <laughs> anyway, somehow we were trying to plug that you can email us, get in a gate yeah. at gmail.com. And if you don't want this podcast to be your end game... No, hang on her. Say it with confidence. Say say it with confidence. And if you don't want this podcast to be your end game... Absolutely, mate. Check out our Patreon, guys. (laughs) Patreon.com forward slash get into gate. Yes. And from the looks of it, it is going to be the exclusive place where you can get, drumroll please, get into gate merch coming soon. Stop it. Boom. About time. And we're only, what, season eight? Anyway, yeah. that's the exclusive place to that. Join the little hub there and get in the gate uh, Patreon page and uh, the Discord as well. Discord, yeah. That's, Check that that's, out as well. Hive of activity. So I can only imagine through the uh, wonderful topics we've brought up today about uh, what you guys might be able to talk about on uh, Discord. So you know, I, men- I mentioned it as a joke last week, but I'm kind of growing on the idea of like doing a watch party of making you watch the first ones and everyone on Discord can watch you watch yeah. like, live. Yeah, editing uh, the podcast last week, I thought the same thing. I'm like, you know, that might be the best way to do it because we've wanted to do watch parties as part of uh, as uh, our Patreon group. We've wanted to do that. It's just COVID sort of, you know, um, put a little dint in that because we wanted to do it as a group and then now it's like individual and it's like, hey, yeah, <laughs> who's the people's choice of getting a gate? It's like picking your favourite child, right? So uh, we haven't done know. it, but no. Uh, I but just, we... Yeah, this whole COVID thing, I still haven't been able to touch you in person. Oh, it's oh. coming. Oh, is it? Is it ever? <laughs> well, okay, let's cut the erection talk. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're so, at yeah. work. It's too awkward. You'll end up in HR. <laughs> we'll work on that uh, for our watch party. I will watch the first ones, actually. That'd be a nice way to kick it off because, yeah, it's been a long time coming. What, four seasons? So uh, we yeah. can finally tick that off, and it might be a nice way to kick off what should be a regular thing, watch parties. Um either pre or post podcast we'll see what happens so we'll get them we'll get them going so yeah otherwise uh, we'll see you back next week for some Stargate Atlantis a big welcome back to uh, Brendan and uh, we'll see you next week Manny bye bye get into geek